the glory of God we have been considering uh, throughout the morning. And I want to focus a little bit more on the glory of God that is the magnificence, the worth, the loveliness, and the grandeur of his many perfections, which he displays in his creative and redemptive acts in order to make his glory known to those who are in his presence. We touched on this in our earlier service as we looked at an ancient hymn of the church, the Gloria, which we still say or sing in our churches today. But what of the glory of God and the glimpses that we get of the grandeur and glory of God throughout Scripture? I think there is possibly no passage greater than um, Ezekiel 1 of the grandest depiction of God's glory. Now, if we come to it, as it were, cold without realizing that it is the God of the universe, the one who knows all things, who has created all things, perhaps we miss the the stunning beauty of this passage. The fact that the the writer tries to explain in human words and in, in as best he can the glory of God, and yet he only begins to scratch at the surface. He's using all um, images. I was going to say it a little later, but I, I remember as I was going, I've been away recently, and my son and I were um, just the two in the car. And as we were going towards, um, we had the North York Moors on one side and the Dales on the other side, and we'd been driving and driving, and it's coming towards um, sunset, and you'll be glad to know he had the camera, because I'm like, take a photograph, take a photograph, because I'm, I'm the one driving. So I'm like, no, look, look. So we're driving, and the sun setting. I don't know about you, but I'm always captivated by a good sunset. It wasn't a good sunset in the normal way. I'd say, oh, look at the red, look at the orange. Oh, there was a brilliance of the sun, and it was over there, but I could only glimpse it, because, of course, you know, eyes on the road ahead. But it was the whiteness of the sun as it was going down, and this field of um, rapeseed flowers, the brilliance of the yellow, then the brilliance of the sun, then the blue of the sky. I was just, like, overwhelmed by this picture. I'm like, take a photograph, take a photograph. I'm going to bring it and put it on the screen. Well, it was... There's nothing going up on the screen, by the way. You've got to imagine it. The photograph was dreadful. It just didn't capture it. And it wasn't that my camera, well, my camera's all right. The boys tell me, you know, you've got a dreadful camera, Mom. But, you know, it, it wasn't great. And then, to cap it all, we come off the motorway and we're driving along, on, you know, and I'm like, oh, well, I'm back on this road. I love this road. I know it. And we're getting towards the town that I know. And then suddenly, there are two deer standing in the road. But they're not the ordinary deer that I see around here, which I go, oh, look at that deer. Oh, look at that one. And it's a log. No, it, these two, there was one. That was a white heart. I thought that was only the name of a pub. <laughs> there was a white heart before my eyes. I'm like, quit, take a photograph. So I was like, oh, he's getting the camera. No, you know, of course the white heart has scampered off, leaving the other one just standing there going. <laughs> so we got a photograph of that one. But guess what? That's blurred too. And he's not a white heart. But I tell you, I saw a white heart. And I was thinking these are like little glimpses in creation of the glory of God. But my photographs don't capture it. And I was just thinking this morning, you know, in Ezekiel, he talks about the bow in the sky, the rainbow. I don't know, but I find rainbows just like jaw-droppingly beautiful. 
But you think of the, the children's rainbow, or even the ones that are made and put on wrapping paper and whatever. They don't make you go, wow, look at that. They make you count, oh yes, all the seven colors are there. Fantastic, that's a real rainbow. But they don't make, but we, when we see the rainbow that God puts in the sky, we're overwhelmed, well, I'm overwhelmed by its glory, and sometimes you see a double rainbow or a vertical one, and you're like, how, how, oh, that's gorgeous. You take a photo, well, I take a photograph, guess what? It's just not quite, it doesn't capture it. Let me read you Ezekiel 1 in that vein, because here he is writing about the glimpse of the glory of God. I'm starting at verse 4 if you want to catch it in your Bibles. Probably around page 830, if your Bible's, the church Bible's similar to mine. I looked and I saw a violent storm coming out of the north, an immense cloud with flashing lightning and surrounded by brilliant light. The center of the fire looked like, well, it looked like glowing metal, and, and in the fire was what looked like, well, it looked like four living creatures, but each of them had four faces and four wings. Their legs were straight, their feet were like those of a calf and gleamed like burnished bronze. Under their wings, on their four sides, they had hu human hands. All four of them had faces and wings. And the wings of one touched the wings of another. Each one went straight ahead. They didn't turn as they moved. Their faces looked like this. Each of the four had the face of a human being, and on the right side, each had the face of a lion, and on the left, the face of an ox. Each also had the face of an eagle. Such were their faces. They each had two wings spreading out upwards, each wing touching that of the creature on either side, and each had two other wings covering its body. Each one went straight ahead, wherever the spirit, wherever the spirit would go, they would go without turning as they went. The appearance of the living creatures was like burning coals of fire or like torches. Fire moved back and forth among the creatures. It was bright and lightning flashed out of it. The creatures sped back and forth like flashes of lightning. And as I looked at the living creatures, I saw a wheel on the ground beside each creature with its four faces. This was the appearance and structure of the wheels. They sparkled like topaz, and all four looked alike. Each appeared to be made like a wheel, intersecting a wheel. As they moved, they would go in any one of the four directions the creatures faced. The wheels did not change direction as the creatures went. Their rims were high and awesome, and all four rims were full of eyes all around. When the living creatures moved, the wheels beside them moved. And when the living creatures rose from the ground, the wheels also rose. Wherever the spirit would go, they would go. And the wheels would rise along with them because the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. Moving on to 22, spread out above the heads of the living creatures was what looked like something like a vault, sparkling like crystal and awesome. 
Under the vault, their wings were stretched out, one towards the other, and each had two wings covering its body. Then there came a voice from above the vault, over their heads as they stood with lowered wings. Above the vault, over their heads, was what looked like a throne of lapis lazuli. And high above on the throne was a figure like that of a man. (coughs) I saw that from what appeared to be his waist up, he looked like glowing metal as if full of fire. And that from there down, he looked like fire and brilliant light surrounded him, like the appearance of a rainbow in the clouds on a rainy day. So was the radiance around him. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. When I saw it, I fell face down. And I heard the voice of one speaking. Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of Yahweh. And when I saw it, I fell on my face. And I heard the voice of one speaking. You cannot fully describe the glory of Yahweh. He's so vast, so multicolored, so glorious in all his ways that even man's most thorough attempts amount to a series of signposts. Look at that, look at that. And here in Ezekiel, we have probably the most lyrical and dramatic picture of the glory of Yahweh. Where the images are so wonderful, windstorms, we've got clouds, we've got fire, gleaming metal, lightning, sparkling bronze... Lions, oxen, eagles, wheels, eyes, rushing water. (coughs) An expanse of crystal, a a sapphire throne, one with human appearance, rainbows. Yet after using the full range of earthly imagery, Ezekiel has hardly scratched at the surface of the glory of God. Such, he concludes, was the appearance and the likeness of the glory of Yahweh. He is indescribable. His glory is indescribable. So what Ezekiel does and what the whole Bible does is to show us as many as possible of the attributes of God because his glory consists in all of this. He is all of these things at once. And the reason that Ezekiel pulls all of these pictures, these what seemingly irreconcilable pictures together, is because that is the character. There are so many glorious characteristics of Yahweh, the God of Israel, the God of heaven and all of earth, the one who has created all things and knows all things. He is indescribable. Our understanding of God is riddled with things we cannot explain properly, and this makes him more glorious, not less. We know that he is one, 
But Father, Son, and Spirit are all different persons and all fully God. Jesus is perfectly man and perfectly God. He is the living one and the one who died and is risen. God has created people who have real choices, yet his sovereign freedom means that his choices are ultimate. The revelation of his name at Sinai, Yahweh, the God who knows you. showed he was the merciful and gracious God who does not leave the guilty unpunished, a God of simultaneous justice and mercy. Yahweh fills heaven and earth, but also dwelt in an ark, a tent, a temple, and now individuals in you and in me. No pictures are sufficient to express the full truth about him, not even biblical ones which is perhaps why Ezekiel seems to be conceding at the end of the first chapter. You know, I've hardly begun. In intercession, he is both the one praying and the one being prayed to. In justice, he's the policeman, the judge, the jury, the defense lawyer, and the one who receives the punishment. In the tabernacle, he's both Aaron and the goat. And as in an astonishing twist that no one saw coming, the high priest and the sacrifice on the altar turn out to be the one and the same person. In the family, he is father, he is mother, he is son and husband. He's unknowable, and yet he is known. He's invisible and revealed. He is lion and he is lamb, prince of peace and man of war, wrathful and joyful. Strength and song, holy and gracious, prophet, priest and king the exuberant and the varied <clears throat> language of, to describe Yahweh in scripture is not a sign of confusion or contradiction in the writers. It simply indicates how well they have grasped the depths and riches of God's character and how beyond our comprehension that character really is. Mockers will always try to play off Yahweh's attributes one against the other, as if the Most High God could be reduced to a few simple statements. But we worship a God who is everything Scripture says he is, even if we don't understand how he can be all of these things at once. So don't worry. Children paint pictures in primary colors. Van Gogh used thousands. Cheap wine can be described in one or two words. But top vintages require pages. The fact is, God, at his most glorious, is at his most glorious when he is beyond our understanding. The Trinity, the Word became flesh, the cross, the resurrection, these are impossible things to understand, yet they form the basis of our faith. And this doesn't mean that we give up in our understanding or knowing the living God. The vastness of space is an argument for, not against purchasing a telescope. But it does mean that as we proclaim the unsearchable riches of Christ and seek to know the love that passes all knowledge, we mustn't be surprised when we encounter truth that we cannot 
grasp and depth that we cannot fathom. In Deuteronomy, it says this, the secret things belong to Yahweh, our God. And let's remember that that longest sustained vision of God himself that we have just read in Ezekiel, the writer acknowledges the massive limitations of his comprehension. One day we will know more fully, but in the meantime, there is plenty to keep the worship fueled and the glory visible. And so I return to that passage. And above the expanse over their heads, there was the likeness of a throne, in appearance like sapphire. And seated above the likeness of the throne was a likeness with a human appearance. And up from, upward from what had the appearance of his waist, I saw as if it were gleaming metal, like the appearance of fire enclosed all around. And downward from what had the appearance of his waist, I saw, as it were, the appearance of fire. And there was brightness around him. Like the appearance of the bow that is to the cloud on the day of rain, so was the appearance of the brightness all around. Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of Yahweh. And when I saw it, I fell on my face and I heard the one of the voice speaking to me. Speak to us, Lord, we pray. As we worship you, would you speak to us and speak through us for your glory in the heavens and on the earth. Amen. Let us worship the Lord in song and praise. Amen.